Today on Inside the Ropes, an ominous in-studio debut from Nick Dasty. Andrew Shuden all the way from Nashville of all places. Shane Luke, Jeffrey Guan, and a whole lot more. Let's go. You're listening to Inside the Ropes, Australia's must-listen-to golf show with exclusive content from both home and abroad. Subscribe now through your favourite podcast app. G'day everybody, welcome to the show. It is Inside the Ropes, episode number 204. Lovely to be here. Heaps to get through on the show today. Uh, Andrew Shuden, a name well known to many. Former pro turned caddy, uh, carrying the bag of Cam Davis. He's going to be joining us. Going to meet a little bloke, or I shouldn't say a little bloke, a young bloke who's in Mark Hayes' little black book by the name of Jeffrey Guan. Hayes, you can tell you more about him in a moment. And Shane Luke's going to join us, legendary amputee golfer. Hazy caught up with him last week, and uh, we'll play a bit of that. There's heaps of bits and pieces to get through as well. We've got a special, well, it's only special now. After today, it ceases to be special because Nick Tasty is now part of the team. So he's about to join us. But I will say hello to you first, Hazy. Good to see you. Hello, Murray. Great to see you. And it's um, really, you know, I had that bloody rap song in my head for three or four days last no, week. No, no, Augusta. And You'd be a fan of that, wouldn't you, Nick? Oh, Did you watch any fan. of it? thought it was fantastic. Thank you. Yeah, you I had various uh, commercial offers put to <laughs> Inside the Ropes about your rapping, and I had some lawyers suggesting that that might be the last show ever if you repeat, so we might already be in dangerous <laughs> territory. How are you, mate? Good to see you here. Last time we spoke to you, you were in the car about to get out and brave the elements at Moona Links last week uh, with the Q School uh, underway. So good to see you here in one piece and not knocked around too badly by the elements. <laughs> no, it was pretty blowy down there, but mm. it's uh, it's great to be in the studio and, and doing this. A uh, little bit nervous around such a polished media performer like yourself. That's hazy. Don't be nervous around the likes of me, Nick. That's the last thing you need to be worried about. Um, how did it end up? So the 30 were playing for their spots. Uh, the scores seemed to get a little bit better as the event wore on. A few more red figures by the end of it than we were looking at when it first started. Um, how yeah. was it in the end? Oh, look, it was um, it was a great uh, great few days down mm. there. And um, I think, as I said last week, I don't think anyone actually ever enjoys playing oh, at okay. a school. No, but no. Um, it was certainly challenging, particularly over the first three days. Yeah. Um, and then... The final day on the Friday eased off a bit and um, there were some fantastic scores on the last day and particularly from people that came outside the 30 and, and yep. found their way in. So, no, it was, it was really good. We, we were having a chat uh, off air. I won't necessarily bore everyone with the details of it about Dave Michaluzzi a couple of weeks ago and he finished four under second, I think. I haven't got the, the lead yeah, board. Tied, tied second. Tied second. Four under, yep. that, that feels like a positive... It feels important. Yeah, it feels important and positive. Yeah, yeah. It does. And I was the, speaking of the, the people who... And it's important and it's important for everybody who got their ticket, by the way. So Absolutely. don't, don't apologies to everyone who thinks we're sort of cherry-picking one name out of the 30 who, who, who have got a job. Well, one who made a desperate dash home I'm really interested in as well, probably the same um, state teams as Dave Michaluzzi, was Matias Sanchez. Yeah, um, he made an eagle down the last. Oh, did too. he Hard really? To get in on the number. Oh, that's yeah. the story you wanted. Yeah, you know, we wish we could broadcast that, like on you know some sort of live stream, because that's the that might be the best story of Australian golf all year. Yeah, and there was another sort of, one yeah. too, Hazy. Uh, Laurie Flynn finished birdie birdie to get in on the number, and <laughs> you know right? we all know he's had a great amateur career so mm-hmm. far, and 
um, yeah, his first go around at tour school. So, you know, to finish birdie birdie at your first tour school to get in on the number and, and give himself an opportunity later this year, I think is a great story. Did you happen well. to see, sorry to, but did you happen to see the Sanchez Eagle? Were you watching it as it took um, place? I wish I could say I yeah. did. Unfortunately, I just walked outside um, as he was actually walking up from the 18th green. So, right. um, and I didn't know at that stage that he'd made it. What did he hit in there? Did he, did, did you ask him what well, he Well, I, I believe it was a mid. Iron because right. it was playing sort of a little bit downwind right. around the right, so yeah. it was around a five iron or something okay. like that. Yeah, yeah. Just hit it straight out. All those bunkers, you've got to tiptoe your way through down that hole. That You don't have to worry about those when you're hitting a five iron in. No, that's true. Yeah. Um, so is any word, Laurie Flynn uh, obviously played it as an amateur, and Jed Morgan did really well too as an amateur. Yeah. Uh, any word on what their status might become? Uh, I believe with uh, Laurie, he will most likely not take it up until later in the year and, and remain remain admin. I'm not a hundred percent sure on Jed. He might be in the same same boat. Mm-hmm. But, um I think, you know, our our first official event this year now will be in August with the Northern Territory PGA championship. So, you know, there's some some good amateur events for them to still play and, and get that four round tournament experience under their belt and real competitive golf. Um and I think they're choosing to go that way rather mm-hmm. than you know turning pro now and and not really having a lot to play in other than some some pro ams so what a great thing to, to start your career with a, a ticket oh. to, ticket to the national tour yeah, oh yeah absolutely. yeah yeah do they play that at alice springs where, where does that tournament get uh, played? palmerston okay palmerston, palmerston yeah, yeah, yeah yeah nice yeah. place to get out of the the southern winter and get up there and play a bit of golf is it be a nice little circuit breaker for a few of these guys yeah, i'm actually lucky enough to pop up there next week because we've you know, we've got the official launch next week and, and a few meetings up there to prepare for the event. So it'll be nice to get some sun on the back. For Have a you played at Alice Springs? No, I haven't. It's, it's good fun. It's a really, if you, will you be taking the sticks with you or not? No, unfortunately. No, no, we'll have a quick time. trip up and back. Yeah, yeah, you just yeah. have to go to Pikey's place for a barbecue, don't you, to tee all that up? <laughs> Probably could, yeah. <laughs> so there you go, there you go. Um, so that's that, done and dusted. The other pretty significant piece of news from an Australian touring pro's perspective this week is that they're back in Japan. So there's a bunch of them, maybe eight or nine of them, I think, at uh, last count I saw that are going to be – they've missed the start of the Japanese tour. So they'd be in terms of order and merit and all of that, they're a bit behind the eight ball. But there's still plenty of tournaments, 24 or 25 tournaments, I think, left on the schedule for them to catch yeah. up if they're good enough. But this is this is pretty significant for a bunch of these touring pros who oh, make a is, living up there. It yeah. is, and it's, it's, it's been the hard one that tours all around the world are, are facing is, you know, getting restarted and certain players not being able to come or, or having to come under duress and, you know, quarantine. And, and all the guys have been in quarantine basically together there. It's been a bit of a golfer's hotel. They've mm. pretty much had a couple of floors to themselves over there the last couple of weeks. Right. Um, a few from other countries as well. Um, Imagine but, there would have been some fairly feisty chipping competitions <laughs> taking place in the hallways if they were allowed to get out of their rooms. They... Uh, they actually, I, I believe, were allowed out of their rooms on their on their on the floor, floor, yeah, um, yep. because they'd all came in at the same time okay. and, mm. and everything like that. So, um, yeah, look, it's it's good that they're back playing this week. I know they've been looking forward to it, but having spent two weeks in a in a shoebox, effectively, oh, yeah. um, preparation's not fantastic. I noticed on on socials in the last few days they've started by they got out and they were straight to a driving range, one of the, the many driving ranges in Japan. If I could get on yeah, after doing, what's happened. Yes. Doing some work there and, and now out at the out at the venue now. So um, we really will be watching that with interest to see how they go. Mm. Um, they've got, I think, seven tournaments in a row now up until the Olympics and then there's the break and, and then who knows where it'll be at after mm. that. But um, 
fingers crossed, uh, I think for a couple of them, having chatted to them, if they if they got a win up early in the year and their job was secure for a couple more years, I think they'd probably come home and, and spend some time at home and, yep. and wait it out. But um, they're up there doing what they need to do at the moment. What's jumped off the page for you this week? Anything that you've sort of been pushing your buttons? Well, I did see something that I know is probably going to rankle you a little bit, Andy. If it is what I think it is, then Nick Dasty might have to just call our jets on this one because it's absolute this is. Well... I think if, if it is what I think you're about to talk oh, it about. It is. It's the new – it's called the, the uh, Player Impact oh, Program. That's it, yeah. Andy, yep. you know um, Look, let, let's cut to the chase here. This is a $40 million US pool that's going to be spread among the top 10 players who, quote, unquote, move the needle. Oh, it's a slush fund to keep people happy. So That's what it is. It's, it's unbelievable. It's the people who least need money oh, in the world of professional sport getting more money. I don't want to slant your opinion or your view on it or anything, but that's... You've taken the words right out of my mouth. You haven't even checked my notes. But... <laughs> <laughs> well, I, you know, it's... By all reports from the United States, it's born out of the Golf Premier League mm. thing that fell over that we were talking about on and off last year. Yep. Uh, I, I, know, I, I see some people quoting Rory McIlroy within the stories of the Impact Program. He hasn't spoken anything about that, but he did speak quite vociferously against the uh, Premier League and the demands that were going to be placed. So he's sort of almost the inadvertent spokesperson for this, and naturally he's among the top 10 yep. needle movers. Yes. Uh, look, I don't know, Andy. I, I, Nick's going to have a different perspective from the from the tour slant, I would imagine. But to me, if you had $40 million US that you could afford to just you know, give away over and above everything else that happens on an already very lucrative tour for the top 10 needle movers, surely the Australian tour or the Sunshine tour or the LET or something could really, really, really benefit from 4 or $5 million. Yeah. Like the impact that could make on a different body around the world would be enormous. I just don't think... Dustin Johnson probably got... 10 million stuff down the back of his couch. He doesn't even know he's there. It may be different for you. We're, we're, we're a bit less fettered than, than somebody like you are when it comes to, we can sort of just, you know, fly off the handle and say whatever <laughs> we want on matters like this, Nick. But is there anything about this that is sensible as far as you're concerned or... Oh, look at that again. I don't lo- want to put words in. Question. I don't want to, I'm putting words in your mouth there. But <laughs> when you heard about this, and it's been going since the start of the year, apparently. Like yeah, it's, that yeah. was the thing that interests me. Yeah. Most. I only read about it this morning. It's only really come out, but it's uh, it's um, been going for, for a little mm. bit now. Um, is there anything that makes sense about it? Well, on one, one hand, I say they are the guys that are generating the money for the game and why the game is so healthy in the US on the on the PGA Tour and... There's a there's a lot of players underneath those guys that should be very thankful for those guys and and the interest they generate in the game mm. and, and particularly Tiger, you've heard lots of players come out and thank Tiger. It's effectively routine. That's and, right. Yeah, and, yeah. You know they they should be sending Tiger a Christmas gift every year because mm. he he has helped their bank balances enormously. Um, the top ten that do that, um, they are generating the most money for the game. And if the money's there, there is an argument to say well. They should be the ones that are, that are getting it because they're generating it. And I noticed there was a couple of tour pros quoted in the article, or you know, that are one-time or two-time winners, sort of saying, "Well, you know, they should spread the money out further." Well, they're the guys that I would say are probably lucky they're earning the amount they are because of these mm. other guys. Um, Hazy, you mentioned, you know, it would be great if some of that money 
went outside of the PGA Tour, and and yeah, it would be. But I'm I'm not going to sit here in in my role and and say, hey, hand some money over to the PGA Tour of Australasia. That'd be great because. I think what the PGA Tour do and, and the way the game is and how healthy it is in the US does flow down to the other tours in, in different ways. Um, so, yeah, look, the money's generated um, by those players effectively, but it does, you know, for, for the average person sitting back going, yeah, these guys have got so much money already, they make so much money, what's another 3 or $4 million mm. a year going to do for mm. them? Mm. Um, and that's the that's the common sort of refrain against it. Just listening to you talk about this, and sometimes you have these ideas that come to you on the fly, and you talk about the other tours around the world, and they should be to a degree thankful for um, the, you know, the what, what the American game has created for the game of golf well, globally. The world game, world game. Oh, sorry, yeah, sorry, the world game. I wonder whether if there is so much larger, if there is so much money available to the PGA Tour. One way of um, assisting other tours around the world, and some of the players are needle movers that come from other parts of the world. What if they took, I don't know, twenty million of the forty million and said to uh, other other tours around the globe, players that come into the PGA Tour and have success on the PGA Tour win tournaments, move needles, attract attention, spread the word of the game, make and which all makes the PJ Tour a better tour in the end. What if some of that money was like um was siphoned back to those the countries that produce the players who kept the PJ Tour, the global tour, the world tour that it sort of by proxy is. Yeah. That's one way of um giving back to the home countries of where those players are coming from. Yeah, it's, like I said, probably a difficult one for me, mm. but I, it would be great um, if there was more of that happening, but I think a lot of people don't realise that there is elements of that that already does happen. Happen anyway, right. Uh, yep. You know, when, when we look at the, the WGC events, they're part of the Federation of Tours, which obviously the PGA Tour of Australasia is, is one of those founding members that, that are part of that. and. There are benefits that come back to our tour through things like that and to our players, more importantly, with starts in certain events mm. and, and things like that. Um, Just not hosting rights. Yeah. No, yeah. that's right. And, and could more could more be done? Yeah, absolutely it could. But um, I guess the the majority of the commercial money is also coming out of the US yeah, as well yep. and, and from, from other areas around the world. Um, so it, it is a difficult one. Mm. We would love... Um, we would love more um, events down here in Australia and more money for our players to play in because we do produce a lot of players mm. and, and the PGA Tour is as strong as what it is on the back of many Australians over the year, many South Africans over the year and, and players from yep. around the world. So it does play a key component into the commercial strength of the PGA Tour as well, the players that do come from all around the world. And just of interest to me, Andy, the only person who's not prominently ranked uh, well, Phil Mickelson, I suppose, is now no longer in that category. Mm. But Ricky Fowler is chief among the needle movers still. Still. Uh, and would um, definitely uh, get a, a share of this mm. largesse, even though his ranking has fallen and his results have been sufficiently in the uh, rearview mirror that he broke his major championship streak at Augusta. Like It, would, it had been something like 40-something mm. or 50-something in a row 
uh, and he was no longer eligible, so he wasn't there. But he's still in the needle movers. So the MVP of the the MVP of the needle movers picks up eight million bucks of that forty million. Well, he might need that. His car insurance premium might be slightly higher next year. She wished. <laughs> and they did some stats on it. I think using two thousand and nineteen, it was, and obviously Tiger came back and won the Masters in in nineteen. So that would have been another eight million uh, for Tiger. <laughs> <laughs> Just what I don't he know needs. how he just keeps what he, track of it. Just what he needs. I'm, I'm going to throw one more half volley out there for you, Andy, on this very topic. And, and uh, it was pointed out to me by a very learned person that one of the metrics being used was run by a company owned oh. by one of the player's fathers. <laughs> well, there you go. Anything? You no, well, I mean, it's the whole thing's great. Look, Nick, I understand where Nick is, yeah, and totally. I appreciate that. But I, I, it's just grotesque. The whole thing's grotesque, and it's um, it just is. It just it just it is. And we've seen what's happened in you know, in soccer this week. I mean, a yeah. lot of people who are listening to this podcast will be sports fans, and you know, we've seen that kind of European Super League or whatever the thing was going to be called lasted all of seventy two yeah, hours. <laughs> of course, and you know, the, 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 it, greed is not always good, and especially now. Of course, especially now. Of course. So look, it's it doesn't it doesn't sit well. I think um, just wrapping a couple of these topics up, if you actually sat and digested the merit as a news story of Matias Sanchez eagling the last hole to get his card to play on a uh, on a brilliant tour that doesn't have the financial impact that other tours around the world have, mm. or just Tiger go and park a new, you know, mm. Jeep. Bentley or something. Yeah. yeah. I, honestly, it's you can't. You can't have a better story and a, a less interesting story collide in the one week. No, but you're, you, we come at it from a very different perspective than, you know, the people who stroll around, you know, in, in luxurious offices in Ponte Verde somewhere or, where, or wherever, <laughs> whoever's, wherever this is coming from. I don't know where this is coming from. I actually but... like to think, I'm, I'm going to give the players and the PGA a chop out here, I actually like to think that probably some of the managers have a fair bit to say about all this, um, you know, too much. Yeah, I think it's all, like I said, all about, well, who's generating the money and therefore who should benefit from it. And, mm. and I think I'd probably take it back to, uh, you remember back in the day when Michael Jordan was the, the biggest superstar in the world and I think signed a, a contract with Chicago worth about $30 million a year and everyone thought, well, that is absolutely crazy mm. and mm. ridiculous. But reality was they probably got him extremely cheap mm. for, for what he was generating in income for the Chicago Bulls, for the league, for Nike. Um, you know, it was probably a cheap deal at the time um, considering the money he was generating. Mm. So there's mm. probably the, the two different ways to look at it. But once you've got so much money, what do you do with it? And, and yeah, it would be great if if that could be spread out in other ways as well. Look, we better get a wriggle on. Andrew Shooten's about to join us. We'll get to all the, the, the week in golf um, maybe a bit later on the show. Just one last one before we get to the break. Did you, did you see the Saywoo Kim at at, at um, Harbour Town? You didn't see it, Hazy. Yeah, you you and yeah. I saw it, Nick. What, what did you... To explain what happened and, and give me your sense of how that was, how that was kind of, how that played out. Yeah, so he, he obviously hit a putt up to the hole and it, and it, it was from off the back of the green, I believe, and, and it looked like it was going in for yep. all money and, yep. and did a bit of a detour and, and hung over the edge. And he took a bit of time to get down there. And, and all golfers that that, uh, that watch the tour or would have probably seen this before and, and know that basically you can't take undue delay to get to the hole. And once you get to the hole, you've effectively got 10 seconds, 10 seconds. to, to yep. either play it or um, if it happens to fall in after that, then it will be it will count as a shot anyway. 
Um, they took around 40 seconds, I reckon, once he got to the hole looking at it. But Matt Kuchar, I think, was playing with him. Mm-hmm. He was there. They were all down looking at it close. The ball eventually dropped in. Then they had a bit with the rules official back and forth. And, and Matt Kuchar was sort of arguing pretty strongly for Siwa Kim and sort of saying, well, the ball hadn't actually stopped. The ball was moving. You could tell that yeah. the ball was still moving. Yeah. I didn't think you could hit a moving ball. The rules official explained it that, well, technically you can't, but once that situation's in play and the ball's overhanging the hole, mm. the 10-second rule basically overrides it. So mm. so he got one added to it, even though the ball went in, and um, yeah, they moved on. And he seemed to handle it pretty well. But like I said, it was interesting because it seemed like Matt Kuchar was the one sort of arguing the most. Yeah, it was it was fascinating. If you haven't seen it, you, you can find it. It's really worth having a look and seeing how it all played out. And it goes to a, a, a more interesting, um, or that, that was interesting, obviously, in and of itself, but it does feel like um, tournament officials over there are starting to get more serious about slow play than they ever have before. There were still two balls at, um, at um, Hilton Head, that were taking over four hours to get through. At the same time on the LPGA Tour, Lydia Ko is playing her two-ball final round in three and a half hours, which is probably still on the edge, I reckon, in terms of how much time you'd like to think a two-ball can get around. But the men are taking way too long. And it does feel like there's just a bit of a pushback now against some of this slow play. Yeah, there is. Interesting... The weekend is where they, you can have an influence on the pace of play. The, the Thursday and Friday is really difficult mm. because when you've got 144, 156 sometimes, whatever it is, out out on the course, there's only so fast they can go with mm. tee times and everything like that. But but certainly um, there is no excuse for a two-ball taking over four hours on a no. um, on any golf course, really, no matter whether it's playing difficult, whether there's some long walks in between holes or whatever, they, sh- they should be done inside the four. There's no doubt about it. Wouldn't be welcome at Kurt Lewis, Hazy, for no. too long. You had a two ball in front of you taking four hours and 15 minutes. No, no chance. No, no, you're going to get the hurry up. <laughs> right, Andrew Shooten's going to join us on the other side of the break. You're listening to Inside the Ropes. With Australian Golf Media, you're back inside the ropes. Welcome back to the show. Um, our next guest is a name that's going to be pretty well known to most people who listen to this show. Keen viewers um, and fans of Australian golf for the last 10 or 15 years will be familiar with the name Andrew Shuden. Um, probably about that time ago, Nick, I reckon maybe 15 years ago, the hopes for Andrew Shuden were pretty high coming through the ranks as a highly regarded you know, emerging talent. Yeah, he certainly had some great results, Andy, in the early mid two thousands, and uh, was looking like going um, to the to the main dance at some stage. Mm. So um, yeah, he's he's there in a different way now. Well, let's hope the big results keep coming for him alongside Cam Davis, who he's found a way to to caddy for, and he's been good enough to join us on the show to tell us about his journey through the game of golf. Andrew Shooten, welcome to Inside the Ropes, mate. How are you guys? Uh, yeah, thanks for having me. Where, where do we find you these? So where are you at the moment? Uh, so I'm in the US. Uh, on, uh, I'm in Nashville at the moment. Uh, we've got this week off. So, um, yeah, I've got a base in Nashville. So just uh, a bit of R&R and chilling and uh, hanging out this week. What a good place Nashville is, Andy. You'd be right in your element there, I reckon. Yeah, my colleague that I spend <laughs> afternoons with, Bob, Bob Murphy, I think it's about his favourite place in the world, Robert Murphy. Yeah. He has a great draw to Nashville, Tennessee. Um, how long have you been with Davis for, Andrew? Um, so we started, uh, this is my fourth year, so uh, a few years on the PGA, one on the web, and uh, 
and a couple of tournaments sort of before that. What? Why does it work? Why? Why have you two found uh, that kind of nice, harmonious? I'm assuming it is nice and harmonious. That nice and harmonious kind of uh, equilibrium that we imagine needs to be found to have a, a good relationship between a, a player and a caddy. Yeah, it actually has been harmonious. Uh, you know, we get along uh, quite well on the golf course. Um, I think. Uh, I think I think actually you know having that playing background and then coming can sort of like that is is uh, you know we can relate to stuff a lot easier um, you know I've sort of uh, had I've got a few years on him but uh, you know I've been through a lot of the things that that he's sort of going through um, probably not at at the level he's he's playing at the moment but uh, you know I, I sort of understand. Uh, you know, what it's like to be, you know, playing well and, and, and doing well and then also playing poorly and, and how all that affects you. So, um, uh, I think with, um, me being able to, you know, uh, sort of map out golf courses and come up with some good strategies and, um, you know, course management, stuff like that, that helps Cam. Uh, also, you know, we get along well. We have a pretty good team, actually. Um, you know, Cam has, uh, you know, coaches and um, physios and, and mental coaches and all that, and, and we all click as a as a team. So he's got a you know a really good team going, and um, yeah, and the kid can play. How did you find each other in the first place? I mean, you're you're from down here in we're in Australia, obviously you're from different parts of the country. How, how did you find each other to begin with? Um, yeah, Cam got a sponsor's invite into a PGA Tour event uh, back in. I think it was 2016, because um, he won the World Amateur at uh, Mayakoba down in Mexico at the same course that they have the um, the Mayakoba Classic on the PJ Tour. So I guess uh, as part of winning that, he got a, a sponsor's invite into that event. Um, then I guess Golf Australia just reached out to me. Uh, I guess they wanted Cam to have a, a, you know, a, a full-time caddy or a decent caddy. Um, I don't know why they spoke to me, but, <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, no, so we hooked up at that event, um, got along really well, he played nicely and um, he finished 15th, I think, uh, in his first start, so that was um, sort of, that was the first one and then uh, the year after that, I think Cam went and played Canada and uh, I was getting on the LPGA then. Cam qualified for the final stage of the web.com Q school back then in 2017. So he reached out to me again and asked if I could do it and I could. Um, so that was, um, so that was good. But before we got to that, he said, Oh, look, can you make it back to the Australian Open? Because, um, you know, it'd be good just to catch up and, uh, you know, get to know each other again, learn his clubs and all that. And I was catting on the, LPGA at the the CME, their last, it was like their tour championship. Um, So that sort of finished in Florida. And then to get all the way back to Australia, I actually couldn't get back until the Wednesday. But I said, look, if you want me to come back, I can come back on the Wednesday. And he's like, yeah, that's all right. Now we'll just, uh, you know, we'll we'll catch up and, you know, get to know each other, just go through all the same things that uh, that we were doing in Mexico. And, um, yeah, all good. Our focus was sort of really on the um, the web.com Q school. Well, anyway, I come back um, on the Wednesday, which was Pro-Am Day, so we played the Pro-Am, and then, um, you know, this is the Australian Open at, uh, at the Australian. And, yeah, next thing you know, you know, first round, Cam shoots uh, 63 in the first round of the Australian Open, and uh, we end up going on to win the Australian Open, which was, yeah, which was amazing. So... 
Um, that's really where all our started, and then after that, went back to the US, and uh, we didn't do too well at uh, at the qualifying school, but um, ended up joining in, and uh, yeah, it's been been good. I said there clearly the caddy had the influence shoots, getting in on the Wednesday and uh, walking away with the trophy on the Sunday night. Yeah, well, that's it. You know, normally uh, these days I get in, you know, maybe Sunday, the week before. Maybe I need to just be turning up on the Wednesday, picking up a yardage book, and off we go. <laughs> I don't overthink it. No, that's yeah. right. Did you, did you ever, ever foresee yourself being on this side of the industry? Like, you were pretty close to being pretty big yourself, yeah, if I can yeah. put it that way. Yeah. Um, did it ever cross your mind that, A, you wouldn't get there, and B, that this is what you'd end up doing in golf? Um, look, to be honest, I, I didn't uh, see myself caddying, no. Um, I I sort of like put my hand up to caddy at a couple of the, uh, the ladies' Australian Opens that were at Commonwealth, and because I was a member there, I thought, oh, I'd just be nice to help out when I was in town. Um, but I did enjoy it. But, you know, it was all about the playing. Um, I wanted to obviously make the PGA Tour, but uh, I didn't didn't quite get there, and then... Um, yeah, funnily enough, these, you know, this opportunity came to Caddy, and I thought, oh, I'll give it a give it a go, and that was on the LPGA um, with a girl called Mi Hang Lee, and and then yeah, next thing, um, yeah, here it's been probably six years or so now, um, and yeah, it's uh, I'm enjoying it, so yeah, it's been good, but not something that I uh, yeah sort of planned to do. I probably thought I'd be be out of golf actually and doing something else, but uh, it's been good. Not a real job. You wouldn't want one of them. <laughs> I, well, I was doing a real job before before I started cutting, but uh, um, that was a bit of fun. But I do enjoy the travel, I do enjoy the golf and everything, so it's good. Do you ever open up the garage and look at the weapons there and think, geez, I should still be doing this, or are you happy just to leave them in there for social occasions? Yeah, more than happy just to leave them there. Actually, funnily enough, I um, I don't actually have clubs over here. Cam Cam just got a new set last week, actually, and gave me gave me his old set, so I finally got a set of clubs. But, you're um, four foot. No, you're in, four foot shorter than him shoots. I <laughs> know <laughs> well, I've got to cut about an inch off of him and uh, change the <laughs> angles. But, <laughs> um, but no, look, I was uh, sort of you know enjoying fishing and doing other stuff, and I'd probably play six, I don't know, six to ten times a year these days. Um, just socially, which uh, which I'm good with. Shoots, um, being a caddy on the PGA Tour, I think a lot of people probably look at it and think it's a pretty easy job. You turn up, carry a bag and, and walk around. Um, but there's a hell of a lot goes into it, isn't there? I mean, in a standard week, in a standard tour week, when you're getting there, like you said before, on the Sunday or the Monday, um, coming from the previous stop, how many hours in a, in a week, when your player makes the, makes the cut, um, how many hours do you reckon you spend out at the golf course for that week? Oh, that's a good question. I actually haven't added, hadn't added up the hours, but uh, it's not unusual to, to do 12-hour days, um, especially well, especially for me, because I was sort of like uh, the, the, the new caddy, and I, I hadn't seen any of these golf courses. So um, I would walk them probably twice. Uh, I'd get there early on either Saturday or Sunday, walk them once, uh, and then again um, on Monday, Tuesday, that, that's without carrying the bag for Cam. Um, so I'd do that, take my own notes, you know, work out best ways to play holes, um, and then and then I'd meet up with Cam and we'd do our work on the driving range, you know, chipping green, putting green, and then go and play uh, nine holes, eighteen holes, and then sometimes I'd go back out on the course 
um, to you know recheck notes or uh, to work out you know ways to play holes and uh, and just scout the course because you know I sort of figured that I was I was probably you know 10 15 years behind everyone. A lot of the caddies have been out there for quite a while and they've seen these courses year after year after year uh, and have a lot of knowledge about these courses. So I was trying to um, you know catch up on knowledge. And yeah, so I would spend a lot of time just, just yeah, walking, walking golf courses, just trying to pick up, um, little, little things here and there that, you know, if we were in certain situations, uh, they might, might come in handy for, um, for camp. So, um, geez, yeah, when you talk about hours, probably, you know, oh, I think, uh, you know, probably six to eight hour day would be a, uh, a short day. So, you might have yeah, to add an upshoot. You might hours getting underpaid. <laughs> Oh, my, that's good. <laughs> might um, be better on use... an hourly wage, you reckon? <laughs> <laughs> do you use uh, ShotLink um, for for stats and for working out the best way to play holes and how they've been played on, on previous years when the tournament's been at that venue? Um, good question, yeah. We we don't really, but I I have seen um, a couple other caddies with, with that sort of information. We use a lot of ShotLink for uh, can stats. And sort of how he he's tracking yep. um, with uh, you know different areas of his game, uh, and then and then sort of coming up with plans to um, you know put into practice to try and improve those areas. Uh, they're quite in depth. I mean, the amount of stats that you get on the PGA Tour is is crazy, um, and uh, so they can be quite beneficial if you use them uh, the right way. But uh, I do know there's a couple of guys with sort of you know statisticians that come up with those ways that, you know, over the last, well, basically since Shotland's been going, you know, this is how the hole's been played, uh, this is where the majority of the birdies come from, uh, and, you know, sort of lean their, their, the way they play towards that sort of uh, that sort of way. Wish you wouldn't encourage Nick with that sort of good question sort of rhetoric, oh, mate, no, no, that, no, we're, no. Andy and I are nervous about yeah, that. Yeah, I get a lot of tenure in this. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> mate, I, I, I did want to ask you, um, and, and feel free to, you know, say as much or as little as you want, no problem at all, but how, how, do, you, how do you get paid? What's the, what's the scale? Do you get set things and bonuses, uh, or and is it different to most other caddies, and is it different to the, you know, the, some, the bloke who carries the top 10 player in the world, etc. Um, look, yeah, look, probably most caddies, well, standard sort of wage would be, you'd get a weekly wage, that may vary from oh, probably maybe 1600 to two grand a week sort of thing, and then a percentage on top of that, and generally that's going to be um, 10% for a win, maybe 7% for everything else. Um, yeah, the top guys in the world, I'm, I'm, to be honest, I'm not sure, they may be on a on a salary um, yearly bonus, yeah, I'm, I'm not 100% sure, yeah. So let me, ask you another, let me ask you another question then along those sort of lines that you can choose to answer or not, but we know that to get to go over to America and work is actually pretty difficult for Australians. You've got to, you know, being legally allowed to go over and get a job can be pretty challenging. How does a status of a caddy kind of um, sit with the authorities over there that... Um, issue working visas and all of that sort of stuff. Is that is that a if, if you've got a pro who's attached to a tool like the PJ Tour and he says this bloke's mine, do you automatically get kind of the paperwork issued your way that you need to have issued? Um, uh, it's yeah, probably a little more in depth than that. Yeah, you um, obviously the, the visa 
situation, um, you just need to uh, basically provide a lot of information that you know you're a decent person for that job. Um, some visas are a little easier to get than others. Uh, some require a lot more in-depth um, sort of paperwork and yeah. and explaining as to why why you why you need this job. Um, um, but generally. Um, yeah, generally, most you know, a player could say, "Look, I want this guy for my job," but then you know, you just have to provide paperwork and all, all that sort of stuff, articles to, to, to say why, and um, and, it, and it will go through. Um, I think it's become a bit harder recently. Um, they're scrutinising things a bit more, but uh, um, yeah, it's, uh, I haven't had a trouble so far. So yeah, good. So, so why are you an integral part of Cam's team? Because I've heard him speak, and he, that's exactly what he thinks mm. of you. Why, why in your mind is that important? And as you answer that, do you think that he's getting ready to take that next step? Like he's been on a constant upward trend in the last two or three years. Yeah, I just pay him well to say those things, mate. And, oh, yes, I do think he's, he's uh, he has... Over the last, you know, the times I've been working with him, he is definitely sort of, you know, just improving each year, each year that we've gone gone ahead, and um, which is good, just slow and steady. Uh, and yeah, look, when, there's still a lot of work to be done, but definitely, you know, when we play with other uh, top players in the world, you know, I would be confident in saying that, you know, he he will match it with with these guys, and um, we sort of saw that on the weekend. Actually, we got to play with Dustin Johnson, you know, one of the best players in the world, and. Um, you know, for quite a while there, we were we were outperforming Dustin. So, um, so he's definitely got the game, I think, to uh, to become you know part of the top echelon of the game. Um, but it you know, it just takes time and and these little one percent of things that we have got to get right. And um, but yeah, I've you know full belief that that he'll get this. Now I'm sure he's got the belief, knowing him a little, that he he, he can do this. But by the same token, I'd love to hear what what it is that you say to him when you're in that. Dustin Johnson group or the you know the last couple of groups on a Sunday um, what is it that you actually put in his ear like a you know a footy coach going out into battle um, so basically I'll just do sort of a lot of reminding so we've got um, you know we've got a lot of processes in place for certain situations so um, you know I can pick up on um, you know like little changes in mental game or just you know sort of attitude and that walking around the course and and if I can sort of get on top of it early enough and just remind him, hey, you know, look, I'm getting a bit quick, you know, he'll know, okay, getting a bit quick, I need to do this. I've, you know, I've, 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 he's got a, like a mental coach that will help with that sort of thing. He's got a swing coach. And so I'm sort of reminding him, seeing all these things and then just reminding him and then just trying to chat to him, you know, keep it, keep it, uh, keep it upbeat. Um, and try and try and make it, uh, as sort of, you know, fun and relaxing as, as I can. Um, and uh, look, yeah, it's, uh, well, hopefully uh, he likes what I'm doing, and obviously you know they seem to be doing a good job, so so that's good. I don't think you stay a caddy for over three years, no. Shudes, if he doesn't like what you're doing. Um, <laughs> further one in in regards yeah, to the the mental side, have you have you noticed a difference in Cam's own belief in recent times um, from from where he was, say, 18 months ago, two years ago when he first got out onto the PGA Tour? Compared to where he is when he is playing against a, or with a Dustin Johnson now, have you noticed a, a change in his mindset and, and where he actually sees himself? Yeah, I think I think 
you know, the more time you spend out there, the more comfortable you're getting. So I think, you know, he's, he's uh, getting more comfortable with, you know, seeing these guys around and hitting balls next to them, playing practice rounds next to them. Um, and then he's also, you know, getting comfortable, more comfortable with his own um, sort of processes and everything that we put in place. So, you know, that, that helps big time. Um, and if you've got, you know, comfort, even if things aren't going well and you've got comfort in, in these little processes, you can, you can lean on that, um, and the routines that you have. And, um, you know, it's funny, last week, yeah, I probably thought the, the, the day, the last day when we played with Dustin Johnson was probably the most relaxed and, um, that I saw him that week. And, you know, he seemed to have sort of a different focus about him. Um, and he was playing with, you know, the best player in the world. Uh, we had a you know, nice gallery following us around and, you know, the TV cameras were out. And I think he sort of likes that and, and thrives on that. So um, that was good to see and good to see, you know, him playing well under that, those situations. That's great. Great to hear. Um, one last one from me, and i am put my PGA Tour of Australasia hat on here. Are we going to see you down here in Australia caddying, uh, caddying for Cam this summer? I hope so. Um, yeah, I, uh, I know Cam, Cam has always said that, you know, he'll come back and play the Australian Open, the Australian event. He likes that. Um, so I guess, um, you know, as long as, uh, you know, this whole COVID thing is, is, you know, to a point where we can play those events, I think, uh, yeah, I think, I think Cam be keen to come back. So, so on, just on that before we do let you go, where are you at? You're, you're over there in the middle of all of this. Have you, have you been vaccinated yet? Have you? Where, where are you at with the with the whole process? Well, funnily enough, I just had my first jab today. Um, right. So, yeah, for um, well, when did we restart? Back in June, I think. Like the PGA Tour have been testing testing us constantly since uh, since we restarted back. I've probably done over fifty tests, I reckon. Um, but they've you know they've sort of announced that. They're going to stop testing, so now it's going to be up to us to either, you know, test ourselves or be vaccinated. Um, they're sort of pushing everyone to be vaccinated. Uh, so yeah, so I got my first uh, my first shot today. Well, good luck tomorrow. They reckon the 24 hour lag is no good. That, that's the that's what's coming. Don't <laughs> shoot the messenger. I'm just saying that the next day apparently uh, apparently she can be a pretty rough one, Andrew. So so good luck well, tomorrow, mate. <laughs> <Yes. laughs> Hey, hey, thanks for joining us. It's a fascinating um, career arc that you've been on, and um, who knows what's in store. But we've we've been following this young young man for a while, not as closely as you, and uh, huge hopes for him, obviously. And let's hope you're there with him every step of the way. It'll be quite the journey if it gets to where we think it's going to go, mate. Thanks for coming on and telling us about um, telling us about your story. We appreciate your time. Yeah, no trouble, guys. Thanks, Adam. Good on you. Andrew Shuden joining us, former player himself now, looping for Cam Davis joining us on Inside the Ropes. Don't go anywhere. Plenty more to come on the other side of this. With Australian Golf Media, you're back Inside the Ropes. Welcome back to Inside the Ropes. It's an absolute pleasure for us to have uh, Shane Luke join us uh, on the program. Shane, we're, we're chatting here in the Sanctuary Lakes Golf Club. You've just finished the Victorian Inclusive Championships. How did it fare? I know you had a bit of a roller coaster ride. Yeah, today was a bit up and down, uh, four under through five holes, and uh, but uh, sadly finished four over after 18, <laughs> so it was a roller coaster out there. You just cooled off a little bit, or what happened? Uh, this course, it doesn't take much to get in trouble, and uh, yeah, you, you can certainly rack up a big number, like nine on 16 today. Oh, yeah, that's a good number. That's that par five, right? Yeah, correct. Oh. Yeah. 
what did you do? Did you just pull it into the water or? I uh, found the fairway trap off the tee and then it just went all downhill from there <laughs> into the really heavy stuff. All right. A couple of unplayables. Yeah. Um, it's it's a fierce competition. I mean, Jeff Nicholas has been the, the victor here today, but you guys have got such a you know an array of people who can win these events. It's amazing, isn't it? It certainly is, and it's great with the uh, all abilities uh, with uh, Cameron and uh, uh, Lockie, a couple of others that are really starting to play some really good golf if you're the younger guys and it's great to see now we owe you a huge congratulations for your recent win in the uh, australian amputee golf championship and, and that would be a great thing to say once or twice or even five times but uh, 10 times mate 10 time champion of australia that's unbelievable uh, thank you um yeah it's, it is a it is a good number um I was fortunate this year with uh, no international flights. Chad Pfeiffer won last year and he wasn't able to come over to, to defend his title. Um, but certainly we've got some tough competition here in Australia and it was good to get number 10. Which one means the most to you? Was it the first time you did it or is it the, the fact that you can continue to play such at a high level like you have? Uh, definitely. The, the first time to win the Australian Open uh, and beat Jeff Nicholas is always... Uh, been very special. Um, Jeff's undefeated for over a decade throughout the 90s and uh, any time you, you, you beat Jeff, you've done well. So um, so walk us through the, the final round there. What was the score at Lynx Lady Bay in South Australia? I know that it's, that's a pretty impressive course to play at too. Yeah, um, obviously close to the ocean, quite windy. Uh, first day, 73. I couldn't hit the ball any better. I couldn't have played any better. So yeah, I was very happy with that round. Uh, ordinary second round of 80 um, and then finished with 75. And I was quite happy with that, three over. That's amazing golf. What, what do you, so you're a member at Bankstown in Sydney. What, what's your handicap there? I'm off scratch at the moment. Have you been playing to it? Um, yes and no, <laughs> but that's golf, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, that's golf. You got the case in point here today. Yeah. Um, what's the lowest you've been to? Uh, plus one. Yeah. So you feel? Do you still feel like your best golf still ahead of you? Look, you just never know. Like um, as I'm getting older, the body's not moving as well. And um, but yeah, it's amazing. Like I was off plus zero point three just a week or so ago, and I feel like I can uh, easily get to plus one again. Mm. Um, I'm very close to it now. So, so and uh, another thing to congratulate you on—it's just it's the it's the Shane Leake show here today. But you, you've taken on the presidency of Amputee Golf Australia, so that's um, that's a huge undertaking. The way this sport's booming for you, uh, definitely. Um, it, it isn't obviously golf's in a boom right now for COVID times, and uh, it's really. Uh, important time for Amputee Golf Australia to really promote what the game's all about and you know the association we have with with one another and as a group and you know sharing our stories and and uh, all those moments uh, it's a it's really really good time. So you guys have been you know as you say like a really strong community for quite a while now you know among yourselves <clears throat> Pardon me, but the Australian All Abilities Championship and things like the World Cup and the President's Cup really helped to sort of put it out on general public display. Would that be a fair comment? Uh, definitely. Um, you know what Golf Australia's done, Christian Hamilton. That's uh, it's fantastic. What the, what we've achieved in in uh, ha- 
having those events and being included. Um, so when do you do you uh, I guess revel in the you know the exposure that you get now that you didn't used to have, or it doesn't bother you? Uh, I find it a little bit challenging, <laughs> to be honest. Um, I'd, I'd like to be able to perform under those circumstances, um, and I'll still keep trying, and hopefully I'll do one day. So what's your, what's your objective as president uh, of Amputee Golf Australia? Is there something specific you have in mind, or is it just the continued growth and evolution of the sport? Um, I'd, I'd certainly like to um, have more player attendance. I'm really uh, keen on in, increasing the numbers and the attendance each year, and growing from year to year and you know I'd like to uh, have harmony between all the different associations and uh, you know with the states and Golf Australia and, and really work together in building something special. Mate what impact has the world uh, rankings for golfers with a disability had on, on your community? Uh, it's, it's been fantastic actually because we, we didn't know we had all these great golfers in Australia um, you know the, the, the young boys with uh, autism and um, they're coming through and playing some fantastic golf and yeah yeah it's just great to see more p- participation in golf um, with people with a disability. Now, I know it's Christian's desire he's uh, exp- expressed it to me a few times to get golf into the Paralympics is that something you'd like to see happen? Uh, definitely. It's always a special moment to represent your country, for sure. What would that be to you to walk into some stadium somewhere and donning the green and gold? Would that just make your heart sort of pound out of your chest? Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, the President's Cup and, and the World Cup experience a few years back was, was the same for us. Um, you know, we're all uh, representing the country as a team and it was very special. And And what... What's happened with the unity around the world too? I know that, you know, with things like the Australian All Abilities Championship, etc., we've seen a few of your international peers come out that we wouldn't have seen otherwise. That seems like that's another great step forward. Yeah, we had uh, amputee events uh, around the world. Um, in Sweden, they had handy golf. In the US, they have a national amputee golf association, hold a national event every year. Um, but with the all-inclusive events, um, We've just seen a, a wider range of people with different types of disabilities coming together, and uh, you know, and we've been able to experience golf at a higher level with uh, a bigger stage, and it's been fantastic. Have you had a story that's blown you away from someone you've met in the last five or ten years? Uh, look, it's actually the Bob McDermott from Canada. He's, uh, you know, he was an electrician who. Um, got electrocuted at work and lost his arm and then on the way to the hospital in the ambulance the crash and lost his leg um, it's quite an amazing story and um, quite a ha- handy golfer um, plays off about four handicap you're kidding and he's won numerous titles around the world very good golfer <laughs> it's just it's so hard for me to comprehend that I, I, I guess that just becomes you know pardon the pun but par for the course for you guys yeah, look, um, that's the thing with with being involved with all this. That there's always someone worse off than what you are, and it's an eye opener. And every player is inspiring to to or we're inspiring to one another mm-hmm. as well, um, not just 
for you guys on the sideline watching as able body. Um, you know, there's people out there walking around like Mike Rolls on no legs and how he just copes with getting around the course in and out of bunkers is it's just amazing to watch. Yeah. As part of your presidency, it's like, you know, we're talking, sitting here talking about the elite end of your amputee golf around the world. Is it important for you to see, you know, just someone who's battling with their rehabilitation from an injury or an acquired injury or anything like that just to get out there and give it a go no matter what the standard is? Definitely. Um, Amputee Golf Australia and the state associations, that's what we're all about. And, you know, we really welcome um, people just starting through that rehabilitation process to come out and have a go and come and enjoy the experience. You know, we're there to share and to help one another through that. What's the best way for someone listening to this who's who knows someone who, you know, is desperate to get out and, and try golf for the first time, who's had, you know, an accident or injury? Um, what's the best way for them to get in contact and be part of this community? Um, well, they search online with the uh, Golf Australia and, and uh, also Amputee Golf. Um, and you'll find some contacts online. Um, and, yeah, that, that'd be the way to start, for sure. Shane, really appreciate you taking the time. I know it, you look much easier on the golf course than you do in front of my microphone here. Yeah, always. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you've done a great job, mate. We really appreciate it. And best of luck for the presidency, and congrats on the number 10. I think that's amazing. Uh, much appreciated. Thank you. Uh, Shane Luke on Inside the Ropes. We'll be back with more in just a moment. With Australian Golf Media, you're back inside the ropes. Welcome back to the show. A couple of other bits and pieces to get through before we wrap it up for the day. But the Australian Junior Championships were held in Canberra last week. Yeah, Gold Creek Country Club in uh, in the beautiful suburb of Nichols, just north of the city. Rising stars all over the place. Uh, the women, the girls, I shouldn't say. The, the girls' title was taken out by... By Janice Wong, yep. um, who's... A, First-time winner of this title uh, and subsequently gets the right to play in the Women's Australian Open mm-hmm. next, when next it's held, uh, which hopefully will be February this summer coming, which uh, we all hope is in Adelaide. We'll yep. see where that all goes. Uh, she is the um, a member of Metropolitan in Melbourne, but a, already a two-time winner, Andy, at, at a very tender age of the Riversdale Cup. She was. So How old is she? I think she's 16, 16 still. Is that right, yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah. So, Outstanding talent. Yeah, right. Yeah. She's really got a great head for it as well as a beautiful swing. So she was sort of a wire-to-wire winner. Yep. But the gentleman you're about to speak to. Young Andy, gentleman. Young gentleman. How, uh, young is it? How young is young Jeffrey? Jeffrey Guan, the winner of the Boys Australian Championship, is also 16. Right, okay. And I'm, I'm putting him firmly in my black book, Andy. You, you know, off-air, as we were talking about what we we're going to do in this show, you were very, very bullish <laughs> about Jeffrey Guan's game. And the young fellow's been good enough to join us. I can't believe, Jeffrey, you've just told us that you've stepped out of, you've finished school for the day already. It's the Wednesday afternoon that we're recording this, only four minutes past 12. I would have quite liked to have gone to the school that you go to. How are you, mate? Thanks for joining us on the show and congratulations. Thank you. Thank you very much. How's it all settled in? The National Junior Champion, how does how does that kind of sit with you? Oh, well, it feels really good, to be honest. Um, it's like uh, playing one of the most prestigious events in junior golf in Australia alongside with many other elite athletes across the country. Well, it just feels good to win it, you know. Now, Jeffrey, as with Janith in the Women's Australian Open, 
you are, you've earned the right to play in the national championship uh, against hopefully all the all the big boys that come from around the world. Mm. Hopefully we run the tournament. We we don't need to go into all the details of that. But Andy, if they get to play the Australian Open this summer, which all we all hope we do, mm. Jeffrey Guan's home club is the Australian Golf Club. Ah, uh, well, hello. Mm. Jeffrey, how would it be on your home dunghill going up against the legends of Australian golf? Oh, uh, definitely be a home course advantage, really. Um, just a bit fortunate. Uh, you could say it was like perfect timing for me to qualify this year and then play at my home club. So I'm looking forward to it. So there's a lot of junior boys who win this event who, you know, I don't want to be impolite to them, but they, they're going to go through the motions at a big championship like that and just be blown away, overawed by it all. I get the feeling that's not going to be you. Uh, I would try not to uh, look at it that way. Um, so I've had, I've played a few pro tournaments and I've gained some experience. So I think I know how to keep um, the pressure low and then just playing my own game. So let me ask you this. On the first tee, on the tournament tee there at the Australian, you've got that bunker down there on the right-hand side. Do you take on that bunker and just whiz it straight over the top off that off that tournament tee or do you what's your what's your um game plan going to be off that tee oh uh, there was two options for me right there i really depends on the wind if the wind's downwind i'll probably take it over the bunkers um if not i'll probably try hit a cut um Starting off in the left tree, turning back towards the center of the fairway. So, so how far are you? What's your when you've got you know neutral conditions? So the wind's not hurting or helping. What, what, how far? Not that we're obsessed with distance on on this show, Jeffrey. But how far are you knocking it out there these days? Uh, about two seventy, two seventy yep. meters. Sixteen, Andy. That'll do. I don't think I probably should have said this um, earlier, but he, he won the stroke play of the New South Wales amateur mm. and was runner-up at the Australian amateur, Andy, at Kuyonga as well. So, um, Jeffrey, did you have an inkling that this sort of summer of golf was about to happen? Is that uh, Was it on your you and your coach's radar or is it just sort of, you know, bobbed up that you've made this huge leap? Uh, me and my coach, we've planned this for quite a while and... I was looking forward to these main events and I was really hoping I could do well and in some of them I did, so pretty happy about that. So I want to ask you, and I'll get Nick to maybe talk about that more broadly here in a second, but did your experience in the um, the junior section of the TPS series, um, how did that go for you this summer? Uh, I didn't really play that well. Um, maybe like a few kind of First round nerves, I didn't get good round out there. But uh, I managed to play with two other pros that were really nice and they really taught me a lot of things, um, such as like um, how to use the wind and calculating distance um, because of that. So, yeah, it was pretty interesting. Jeffrey, who did you get to uh, to play with in, in that event? I uh, can't remember off the top of my head, but... Uh, I remember one one of the pros uh, has a really good chip on putter. Uh, might have to think about his name, but I can't really okay. remember. You've got to think about how to get through trigonometry and all that sort of <laughs> stuff at the moment. It's easy to forget a bloke's name every now and again. The older you get, Jeffrey, you get more used mm. to that too. If you, forget, if you forget things all the time when you get to our age. So, so between what you've done and what comes next, what, what's the next... 
um, sort of cab off the rank for you from uh, in, in pure golfing terms? Well, where do you go next with your game? Um, just trying to play more tournaments and uh, get my name out there and maybe hopefully in the next two years try to turn pro and play in some like Australasia events um, and then play my way from there. Now, Jeffrey, I believe the wins didn't stop at the uh, Australian Junior and that you had a win in the last couple of days at Yarra Yarra as well in the Junior Sixes. Is that right? Uh, yeah, that's right. I shot a um, two under par round 70 and then uh, won the match play uh, six holes, three and one. So he's, he's on a roll. So he's in a rich vein of form for a 16-year-old. Hey, mate, go on. Oh, no. Yeah, no, you just... Like, I'm calling... We call him 16 and he's 16 and that's, that is what it is. But if you watch... When you watch Jeffrey play, you, yeah. you won't think 16. That's all I'm saying, Andy. And you love it, Jeff? Is it a game you just... I mean, you're obviously driven and you want... And, you you know, you're competitive and you want to succeed. But do you love it as well? Is, is there just a simple joy you get from playing golf? Oh, definitely. I, I love it all day. It's just... Um, math is also my favourite subject, so I like to do some calculations around the course. And well, um, it was just a game that my dad got me into, and I just absolutely love it. Oh, young Bryson DeChambeau on our hands here. <laughs> Mathematics and golf. Are you obsessed with what Bryson's doing? Uh, I look into it, and it's pretty interesting, but uh, I don't think it's too much to do with golf, just more physics. Um but other than that, yeah, look, looking into it, pretty good. Well, mate, it's a joy to meet you, even down the end of a phone line. Um, the boys here obviously have met you before. So the rest of us who are um, fans of the game are going to be um, probably adding your name to our black books the way Hazy has as well, Jeffrey. So uh, congratulations on, this, on the, the, the late summer you've had, uh, the early autumn, and uh, good luck with everything that comes your way, mate. Thanks for joining us on the show. Thank you so much. See you later. Yeah, how's that? Jeffrey and Janith, as we mentioned earlier on, um, little jets in the yes. making. And fantastic that Gold Creek got to, um, you know, put on that tournament. went really well. And hopefully all at the club um, see the value in it. I think there was rave reviews of the course. So thanks to all involved. Good, good. Uh, other bits and pieces. Uh, we haven't really done um, what was going on around the world this week. We're a bit busy up the top of the show. Uh, you two will know. I, I, I am prepared to declare I've never heard the name Austin Batista uh, and yet from an Australian perspective around the world this week over there at the Austrian Open it's probably the most significant performance of an Australian pro around the world this week what can you tell us about him yeah I think it is clearly the most significant and if for no other reason than in a top 10 result in Austria he gets to play again on the European Mm -hmm. tour the next time round which I think is this week again Spain I think they go down to is that right I think so that's right the Canaria yeah Grand Canaria Um, Austin Batista is from from New South Wales he was a really really feisty member of some interstate teams about five or six years ago feisty is an interesting word well he he was spirited very spirited (laughs) competitive um, competitive argumentative on occasions um, passionate driven driven really uh, confident in his own abilities, Righto. and it's coming to bear now. Good. So you know, I it is what it is. You know, did he rub a few people up the wrong way? Maybe. Does he care? No. Yeah. Um, and is he content that you know he's taken the right path now? Absolutely. So he's won a couple of things, small things in the US this year. I think he's engaged. Um, he's, he's popped up a couple of times in in events too that you wouldn't you wouldn't have expected. So to, mm. to have a top ten last week. 21,000 euros into the bank account. Another start this week. 
um, good luck to him and, and hopefully he can go on with it as well. So he's risen 1,066 spots in the world yeah. rankings. Yeah. So great effort. And, and, you know, it's a good event too. Uh, the Austrian Open, I think it sort of came to a bit more prominence last year because it was one of the few that ran on the European mm. Tour. So Dean Lawson was uh, thereabouts. Mav Ancliffe banked another another check there, Andy. Um, we touched on the, the heritage a little earlier on yeah, with yeah. Siwoo. Um, I can't believe that we're saying Stuart Sink is the runaway winner there. but he bolted um, in. Absolutely bolted in. Yeah. Back in the top 50 in the world as well. Yeah. Is that right? It's Playing incredible. His yeah. His last, last three starts, first T12, T19, comes off the back of three missed cuts prior to that, where you've probably, if you had have said at the end of the third of those three missed cuts, where's Sig at? You probably said, ah, the game's probably got past him and probably looking at the old boys tour and, you know, he'll just, he's got a lot of money in the bank. He'll just drift off into, you know, sort of semi-golf retirement. Well, the next three tournaments he's teed it up in, he's proven that the absolute opposite is the truth for him. Uh, it's a, an amazing effort because, um, you know, after winning his major, there was a few years there where he, he really did go missing. Mm. And, um, you know, he's had some great results over the last 12, 12 months and, and certainly a couple of wins now this year. Yeah. Um, huge effort. Golf photo of the year too, by the oh, way. He was in more suntan memes oh. than, than uh, leaderboards. Did you see the kid? Because his kid son, Regan or Reagan, was catting for him. And they've at the end of it all, they've take, Reagan's taken his cap off. And he's got the – Stuart Singer's got the whitest brow. Yep. And the kid's got it as well. <laughs> there's, another, there's another great thing for golf. How good would that be? Playing on the biggest tour in the world, yeah. your son caddying for you. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we've seen it over the years um, with with a number of different players, and Jack having multiple sons caddy for him, and um, yeah, it would be an amazing yeah, thing pretty to have, good. have your son carrying the bag as you want a golf tournament. Mm. Kids done it a couple of times. I think they've got a pretty good record when the kid the kid doesn't do it all the time, but it's not the first time that his kids caddied for him. And I heard one of the commentators just in passing. Saying that, oh, yeah, they did this together six months ago and he had a top five finish or something or other. So, two words for you, Andy. Go on. Ryder Cup. <laughs> uh, Sinks back in calculations for the Ryder Cup. Yeah, I think the European. Oh, I wouldn't. <laughs> I shouldn't say the Europeans would be barracking for that because he's a crafty, good player. So, yeah. and if he's playing well, um, Cam Smith shoots 62 in the opening round. Yeah. And, and then went fishing. <laughs> literally went fishing. So. I don't know. I, I, you, you know, very hard to back up a 62. We, everyone knows that. Wouldn't know, Andy. Daisy, <laughs> <laughs> no, sorry. You can say that to me too. He, he got back, you know, with a 66 in the last round and yep. a, a really, you know, another big check. And um, he's, 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 be, he's becoming extremely bankable, I think, is yep. the, the word we're looking for with Cam. He just, yep. he just does it right now. Yep. Yep. Just on the fishing part, did you... See the story about him fishing out on the harbour town. That's what I mean. And took, yeah, got kicked right. off the golf course. Oh, did he really? He, oh, got asked, he got asked to leave. He's not allowed to fish it. That's great. Cam Davis tied. We've spoken to Andrew Shooten. Obviously, Cam Davis tied 25th. So uh, that's a nice result for him there. Another, I'm not going to put her in the veteran category the same as Stuart Sink, but Lydia Coe. Um, how about talking about her as a veteran? She's probably yes. still in her... 24, I think. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Been around forever. Um, there were a lot of people who wrote her off. 67, 63, 65, 65. Mm -hmm. um, extraordinary golf to win the Lotte Championship on the LPGA Tour. <clears throat> 
talking about braining the Mandy, that was a she blitz the field. Yeah, oh, it's awesome, yeah. and she's she's clearly got it back. She was thereabouts last time out, and you know she's mm. back. Mm. Um, you never write off champions. No, and she shot that really low round in the final round of the major there as well. Mm-hmm. So clearly got the belief back and and got her game where she wants it. Yeah, Hannah Green was really encouraging yep. to me, Andy, with a few big events coming up soon, and hopefully for her from her perspective, an Olympic berth, but. Four really solid rounds. T12, Suo bank to check, mm. and and just the you know the, I guess the expectations of the LPGA Tour have just risen exponentially in the last dozen years or so. Uh, Minji Lee rounds of 71, 71, and missed the cut. Missed the cut. We don't say that very often, do we? With her, not no. bad rounds. No, no, no. But missed the cut. Yeah, yep. yeah. Um, and you know, I, I think that's not a disaster for her by any stretch. And she's defending this week at the LA Open after the twenty nineteen win she had. Uh, Bads, somebody. Did you mention Aaron Baddeley? You were talking to. I think you might have mentioned Aaron Baddeley's name to Jeffrey Guan a bit earlier, weren't you? Yeah, I did. Just after the after we got off the off air there, and okay. mentioned yep. to Jeffrey about the fact that um, you know he's got the Australian Open to look forward to later this year. It was around I don't know, eighteen twenty years ago that a eighteen year old Aaron Baddeley uh, popped up and won the Australian Open as an amateur. So um, just reminded Jeffrey of that and. Um, Wish him all the best and for for the end of the year when he gets his chance. Such is the world of professional golf and uh, the paths that it can take you on. Aaron Baddeley this week was the best placed Australian in the Corn Ferry Tour, the secondary tour over there in America, played in Vegas. Top five, tied fifth. Um, Aaron Baddeley over there, which a whole lot of Australians missed the cut over there, which was uh, not great to see. Endicott, Coletta and Gibson all made the cut. None of them really got close, but Baddeley finishing in top ten there. It, his, there's something extraordinary about the preparedness to just keep turning up and keep trying. And he probably has his weeks where he goes through the motions. He probably does. I'm not, I'm not suggesting I know that for a fact, but it, it, this is not something that would have been stimulating Aaron Baddeley to a massive degree, I don't reckon. Yeah. Interestingly, Andy, I think he's a very interesting character, um, Bads and, and he is extremely driven. Mm. Um, I've no doubt that uh, Bads would still think right now that he can get back out and and win on on the PGA, PGA Tour. Tour. Yeah, um, and it wouldn't surprise me if he did at some stage. Wouldn't surprise me. Nah. Is no. um, he, anyone that can can putt like Bads? You know, if he has a has a good ball striking week, he can contend. And um, it wouldn't surprise me to see him salute again at some stage over the next few years on the PGA Tour. He's a Unbelievable talent. Um, you know, some some look back and think that maybe he hasn't reached the levels that he that he potentially promised um, or looked like he was going to. But he's had an incredible career. And, yeah, he sure and has. Surprised to see him win again. Uh, Symmetra, old boys. Do you want to do the do the honors? Sure. Uh, Symmetra tour. Um, speaking of you out there on the grind, um, really hats off to Robin Choi and here in Navid um, for you know. Yep, grinding it out for four rounds, some reasonable golf, and they've pocketed just under seven hundred dollars each. So, that's the real grind of mm-hmm. professional golf if you're yep. income about it. Uh, the Champions Tour: um, Rod Pampling and David McKenzie shared thirty second, and Steve Leaney forty uh, fourth. All made a check on the Champions Tour in Florida. They did. Um, anything else, or are we done and dusted? I've got a few yep. little things yep. just very quickly, Andy. Um, I want to give a huge shout, and I reckon I'll get him on when he does this again. If hopefully he does, I'm very confident that he will. Um, there's a young guy from Melbourne. His name is Max Charles, and he won. As I'm just skipping through all my notes here, Andy, 
He won four. Now he's been he went over a few years ago. He's in his junior year, so his third year at mm-hmm. the moment, to Midland College, which is a secondary sort of collegiate set up in Texas on the advice of Mark Allen, our friend Mark okay, Allen. Yep, yep. Uh, and he played there until COVID happened, and then he came home. And in the intervening period, there were Division One schools knocking down his door, and he, uh-huh. he chose Boise State. And very recently at the um, it's at the UCSB, which is in Santa Barbara in California, uh, the collegiate tournament there, he won um, in the Division One tournament, which is awesome. That's great. Um, first time they had a medalist and Boise State had a win at the same time for a long time. Um, he's the toast of Boise State right <laughs> now. So uh, the Broncos, I lived, led to believe nice. the mighty Broncos. So. A big, big, big shout to Max Charles, who I reckon is really starting to find his feet um, in collegiate golf in the US. Just one last one from me. Uh, we spoke about the qualifying school yep. earlier. Um, we failed to mention, mention the fact that Will Heffernan took out the, we uh, did the mention, Ducks honours and uh, won the tournament on five under. So well done to Will. He's becoming a bit of a specialist at qualifying schools after <laughs> doing a similar thing at the Asian Tour School uh, started last year, which um, he hasn't been able to utilise uh-huh. yet because they haven't been back back playing yet. But um, yeah, great to see Will um, produce the goods uh, down there at Moona Links, and uh, wish him all the best for the year ahead. Uh, the Namura Cup, Andy's been cancelled for the year, unfortunately, because of COVID up in Asia, back in Hong Kong in 2022. And I want to give a really unusual shout out, a reminder too that it's still My Golf Girls Month. It is all April, so yep. use hashtag My Golf Girls. Uh, and we'll get it out on social media. Um, a community service announcement from me, Andy. Um, if you are at a club and you're having a few adult beverages, get an Uber. Um, do your designated driver thing with your mates. Get it organised. Um, it's really important not to, and we don't want to give you know golf a bad rap anywhere. So mm. do the right thing by everyone on the road. Um, if you're in Victoria in particular, your club's been given some stuff, some... Um, signage to put up around the clubhouse uh, from the TAC, all about um, helping us get golfers home in regulation. If you see it at your club, whack it up. Um, it's a really important message. It's never a bad message, that's for sure. Um, we're done and dusted. Uh, Nick, great work. Great to have you part of the team Scare- formally. Scary debut. Too, good. too many good questions from oh, uh, too many of our guests for Nick Dasty. That's, uh, I feel the kindness will uh, probably stop the next time I'm in. Yeah, it probably will. <laughs> it probably will. <laughs> Hazy, good to see you. You too, mate. That is it. Inside the Robes, episode number 204 in the can. Thanks for joining us. Enjoy your week. In golf, we'll be back next week to do it all again.